Albert Einstein um, was a genius, and yet he was known to be so caught up in solving problems that he could be a little absent-minded sometimes. And so there's a story that says that Einstein once boarded a train, and the conductor is going around punching tickets. Uh, and he sees um, Einstein fumbling, uh, looking for his ticket. And he approaches Einstein and he says, Sir, I know who you are. No worries. Everything's okay. Thanks for figuring out this whole relativity thing. And he <laughs> continues to go through punching tickets, and he looks back, and there's still Einstein clearly trying to find his ticket. And so he goes back and says, Mr. Einstein, again, everything's all right. I know who you are. And Einstein replies, I know who I am too, but the problem is, is I have no clue where it is that I'm going. <laughs> and it, you know, it speaks to our theme of real health and authentic well-being last week and this week, that it doesn't matter how great a genius you are how talented, how skilled, how focused, how centered, that most of us are bound to have some struggles and challenges along the way, and better to embrace them than to run away from them. Uh, I'm going to throw out some terms this morning, do a little surveying of our in-person audience today, and I want you to, to tell me if you see the term as more of a negative or more as a positive. So the first one is surrender. Positive. How many negative? You ra negatives are going to raise their hands. Positives are going to say it out loud. <laughs> good, good. Next term, vulnerable. Positive. Scary. Scary. Yeah, that too. Where are my negatives at? Okay. And then lastly, struggle. Positive. How many for negative? Yeah. It could be both. There's no wrong answers. But at the heart of my message today is you can do these terms down or you can do them up. You can do them down or you can do them up. And I'm willing to bet that each and every one of you this morning has a place in your life where you're being called to surrender. A place where you're being, where you are actually probably feeling vulnerable, and a place where you may be struggling. To surrender down is generally to give up, it's to become a bit of a defeatist. So often, unfortunately, it can be to give away your power to someone else or someone else's negative opinion of you. That's to surrender down. But to surrender up, is to do one of those most courageous actions you can do, which is to show up fully in your life and release attachment to outcome. It's to let go and let God and surrender to a mind that's greater than yours to work in your life. Think about that in a moment in your life where you may be called to surrender. You can surrender down or you can surrender up. In a place where you may be vulnerable right now, to vulnerable down is to seek to build a fortress around that tenderness. It's to not let people in and it's to keep your emotions in and not let them out, only postponing that tenderization that's really prime for growth. Because to vulnerable up is to move away those defenses. 
It's to be willing to be transparent. It's the willingness to ask for support and help. It's the willingness to have that courageous conversation. It's willing to be transparent to what is within you so that tenderness can grow in you as a greater human being. And to struggle. We always are at choice to struggle down or struggle up. To struggle down is to identify more with the challenge than the situation, which leads to being stuck. It's kind of like a home. There's no place like stuck. There's no place like stuck. To struggle down is to um, lose yourself in the struggle. To struggle up is to say that this struggle is an initiation into a solution. To struggle up is to say that this struggle is here for me to bring forth the best that is within me for transformation or change. So what is it for you? Are you surrendering down or are you surrendering up? Are you vulnerable down or vulnerable up? Do you struggle down or do you struggle up? And that's what I want to share today is that you can struggle up and make a huge difference in yourself, in your life, and in the lives of others. One of the first points I want to make about struggling up today is that your struggles are not really where your challenges are, but where your greatest gifts reside. Your struggles are really where your greatest gifts reside. And I don't know if it's true for you, but for me, when I think about the places where I struggle most, they're often the places where um, I want to be the best of who I am, where my gifts are most being called for. So the three places where I struggle most are in my ministry, in my marriage, and in my attempt to be a father, working on all those things. And I love ministry, and if you ask me why I became a minister, it's because I need spiritual community. I love spiritual community, and maybe some of you are like this. There was part of me that maybe was egotistical and didn't want to admit how much I needed it. Uh, So I needed to find a a job of service, something to do. So why not get paid for it? Become a minister, right? You know, I don't know if I wasn't a minister, maybe I wouldn't come to church. See, it keeps me going because I need it. I need that that collection of all ages of people coming together, and it's been the greatest gift um, in my life. And ministry is a big job. It's kind of a way of life. It can be 24-7 in the terms of preparation and trying to be there for people and the support and all of that. And the the struggle begins to occur when there's a wrestling match between um, work and living life for God. Right? Having that spiritual practice. Things are good when the work comes out of the dedication to God. But things get out of balance when I'm choosing the work and the stress over the divine timing. And this is true for any of us that has a work or way in being in the world that's about committing yourself to a power and a cause greater than yourself. We can get stuck. And so for me, to struggle down is to um, complain. It's to get overly busy. It's to get drained and give myself to the grind. But to struggle up is to commit to making that time for the divine in my life. Henry Nouwen, the great Catholic priest, had the opportunity to have a a bit of a counseling session with Mother Teresa. How cool would that be? And he took the time to share all of his struggles and where he was experiencing pain and where he was unsure what to do in his life. And 
Mother Teresa listened and listened, St. Teresa, uh, and she looked at him and she said one sentence. And she said, make sure that you give an hour to our Lord each day and do your best to do nothing wrong and everything will turn out fine. And I, I, I love that. There's a clarity in that for all of us, no matter what the struggle that may be taking place. Can you find an hour each day, even if you have to spread out the time, to give to what is most sacred and meaningful and feeding your heart and allow the best to come out of that and try not to do anything wrong? Sounds pretty easy, and it's amazing how things can work out when we do just that. In my marriage, I often see three entities. So there's me, my beautiful wife, April, and then there's this marriage that we've created together. And when things are operating at their highest level, this marriage um, increases who we are as individuals and makes us more. But where the struggle begins is when that marriage can start um, taking from the individuality of either one of us. And so there's this, this struggle there. I like to quote Rainer Maria Rilke to my wife and I say, uh, sweetie, the purpose of marriage is to protect your partner's solitude. I like that one. <laughs> I, I, once, I once caught her Googling how to live with monk. Uh, I like my alone time. So I start to struggle down in the relationship when I get into a place of resentment, when I, I get into a place of blame, when I get into this strange illusion I can fall under that somehow I can't meet my own needs or ask for what I want. And I begin to struggle up when I can trust in the marriage when I can trust in my partner, when I can trust in myself to have any conversation that I need to that has to do with mutual support. And most of all, I struggle up when I find this curious paradox that when I give myself to loving my spouse, all of a sudden, my own needs are met in a powerful way. To quote Rilke once again, it is also good to love because love is difficult. For one human being to love another human being that is perhaps the most difficult task that has been entrusted to us. The ultimate task, the final test and proof, the work for which all other work is merely preparation. I love getting to be a dad to our teenager and to our toddler. It's a wonderful experience. And yet the struggle can begin when I'm torn between this opportunity to be a father and wanting to be other things too. I had the opportunity to have my daughter for four days, just me, and since she has a great mom from that dad perspective, I thought I did a great job uh, of being with her. There was probably more dirty clothes and toys on the floor when mom came home. Uh, but I noticed the only time I would really struggle is when I was expecting time for myself that wound up not taking place. Oh, you know, she'll be asleep by nine. Hmm, think again. <laughs> She'll nap for an hour. Oh, think again. And there's this thing about our children that we remind, they remind us that we're not who we think we are <laughs> in the world. I know who you are. You're my daddy. And you will do these things. And so I noticed this probably unhealthy resentment. And that was the, the struggling down was this idea of, oh, poor me. And oh, I want to be doing these other things and, and getting down on myself as opposed to struggling up, which is to say, if my other work is really important to me, I'm going to make up this time. Right? And I'm not going to blame my kids for it. You know, I'm going to move into that state. And God knows there's no sweeter sound in my heart than, Daddy, I love you. It's a wonderful feeling. So enough about me. 
let's talk about you. Is that true for you, that those places where you might be struggling right now uh, are really places where you care the most, where your gifts are being called for the most? It's time to bring them. It's time to struggle up. It's time to remember another essential key about struggling up is that although struggle is almost always part of the process, it's never the end of the story. Remember that. Struggle is almost always part of the process. If you're struggling right now, good. It's okay. It's not a negative statement about who you are. But remember, the struggle is not all there is. It's never the end of the story. Um, Part of the impetus for this topic today uh, came 10 years ago. I was listening to an interview with an American educator who had gone to study the school system in Japan. And he shares about being in an elementary school classroom. And the teacher introduces a brand new topic and invites a child who they know knows nothing about it to work out a problem on the board in front of the class. And the teachers, the, the American educator is a little aghast by this because the student is clearly feeling some pressure. The students are asking questions. The teachers are asking questions, and they're, they're clearly struggling. And, and, and yet it's the American educator who's having the most difficult time because from his perspective, uh, the culture here is more that we try to avoid struggle. Any of us do that with our children? Sometimes we want to protect them from struggle and wind up sometimes um, causing delays in them learning to give their gifts. So I'm not saying the uh, Japanese educator was doing the right thing, and we definitely don't want to be abusive or anything like that, but do you see that point that sometimes a little struggle can go a long way to opening ourselves up to bringing forth um, the best that is within us? And it can lead to a great story. Speaking of a great story in education, uh, this just happened a couple weeks ago. There's an emerging great novelist here in America. His name is Jamil John Cote. Uh, And in second grade, as an Afghani-American, only having Farsi and and languages that weren't English in his home, uh, he only knew 10 uh, letters in the alphabet. And he shared that up to that time in second grade, school kind of felt like a punishment. You got the wrong answer. You're wrong, and he felt bad about himself. And he had a second grade teacher named Mrs. Lung who saw his struggle and created space every day after school and taught him how to read and to write. And Coche went on with his young life, obviously sometimes forgetting teachers, losing track of Mrs. Lung. And when he was about to graduate high school with with honors, uh, he began to look back as that being the real essential origin story of his own superhero existence. Mrs. Lung taking that time to build that space in his struggle to become his best self. So he tried to find her in high school. He couldn't track her down, you know, forgetting, remembering. And then uh, along with one of his famous books, um, he wrote an essay about the impact that Mrs. Lung had had on his life. And Susan Lung was at her neurologist's office. And the neurologist said, did you used to teach in Sacramento, California? Oh, yes, I did. Hey, I think this essay is about you. And you can imagine how surprised and impressed she was and how uh, touched she was by that. And she looked him up and found out that he was going to be at a a reading in Davis, California, which is close to that area. And she showed up and they reconnected for the first time in those 20 plus years. And there's a picture from his Twitter feed that we can see of them coming back together again. You can see the big smile on his face. 
And what a wonderful expression, especially as we're heading back to school. Teachers, where are you in the room or at home? Yeah. What a wonderful and awesome opportunity uh, you have to make such a big difference in these kids' life. And you know, these stories happen all the time, but the rarity is the, the getting to honor it, right? The getting to come together and to see the great work that you do. The purpose of struggle isn't to overwhelm us, but to give us the ability to bring forth what's best in ourselves. Can you think of that struggle you might be experiencing right now and say, this is, this is happening to bring forth the best that is within me. Does that resonate? Does that sound true? Our founder, Ernest Holmes, says, throw yourself with complete abandon into the all-consuming fire of inward conviction. It's a very grand way of saying, go within. Complete abandon in the two, the consuming fire of inward conviction, say, which means we get to say it out loud together. Know that the divine spirit is operating through me now. I know that I am not limited by anything that has happened or by anything that is now happening. I am entering into an entirely new set of conditions and circumstances. That which has no limit is flowing through my consciousness into action. And, you know, when he says say, or when we're reading these things, you know, there are such statements of truth that we're called to embody. You know, say that quietly every, every morning this week. Own that. Build that space to bring forth the best that is within you. And, and the struggles, uh, I'm, I'm never going to say they're fun, but they can lose their ability to cause you suffering. To create immense anxiety for you or to, or, or to have you feeling in that stuckness. It can free that spirit so you can bring it into your life. And you never know what you might accomplish. Uh, uh, one more education story. George uh, Danzig, a famous mathematician, uh, tells the story of going to college early on and being about 15 minutes late to class. Uh, and he sees that there's a couple problems written up on the board. So he sees that they're, they're homework and he writes them down and goes through the rest of the class and gets to work on these um, problems at night. Uh, and he's not able to complete. It's too hard. He's really struggling. It takes him three days to finally come up with the answers. He brings his paper in to his professor, uh, apologizing profusely. I'm so sorry this is late. Uh, the teacher looks at the paper and starts chasing after the student and explains to him, this was not homework. These were two unsolvable <laughs> problems that you wrote down and, and accomplished. It's amazing when we don't know how much we're supposed to struggle, how we can get things done. Know that divine spirit is operating through you. Know that you're not limited by anything that has happened or anything that is now happening. Know that you step into an entirely new set of conditions and circumstances and that there is no limit to that divine consciousness in you and what it can do in your life. Believe that. Believe that because it's true. That's how powerful each one of you are. If we can take the time to remember it. If we can surrender up instead of down, vulnerable up instead of down, struggle up instead of down. The key point I want to make about struggling up today is that this struggle is initiation into solution. Struggling up means that this struggle is initiation into solution. That's all that it is. 
I am not a believer that God brings us struggle. I'm not a believer that God brings us suffering or pain in any way. But I am a believer that struggle is a natural part of human and spiritual growth. It's bound to occur. However, what I do believe is that there is such thing for each of us that we might call spiritual initiation. Spiritual initiation begins to take place in our life when there's a part of us in our heart that has said yes to living a whole and complete life, that has said yes to our wholeness, that has said yes to believing in a divine power that's greater than we are, that we can use and can use us, that says yes to being a presence of peace and love in the world. Because what can begin to happen is we get so caught up in our reality tunnels, our way of seeing the world, that it gets boring and stale. Our God becomes boring and stale. Ourselves become boring and stale. Our lives seem boring and stale to us. And when that happens, spirit gets mischievous. <laughs> right? There's something about our yes that calls forth the divine to begin um, what might seem like challenging us, but all that it's asking us to do is to let go of the old, of what's over, and in our own perspective, even though it may have worked for us for a time, and to bravely and boldly step into a new way of being. And here's the great thing about this. It actually requires that you stop struggling. When things start going awry in your life and you identify that this is an initiation for my spirit here, the trick is to actually let go of the struggle because the part of you that struggles is the part of you that's trying to control everything that thinks you're in charge and you're not. So you get to take the time to go within, to that place of conviction within you. You get to take that time to be in nature, to be in the silence, to spend time with loved ones, to have the divine inform your heart. And so you can say, oh, now I remember. Now I recall this truth of who I am. And an amazing thing can begin to happen. The struggle can sometimes take care of itself. And it's just been an initiation into solution. I love a, a Buddhist proverb that goes something like this. There is really nothing you must be, and there is really nothing you must do. There is really nothing you must have, and there is nothing you must know. There is really nothing you must become. However, it helps to understand that fire burns, and when it rains, the earth gets wet. But you take that, oh, isn't it good to know there's no one I have to be and nothing I have to do, but it's good to remember <laughs> that fire burns and when it rains, the earth gets wet. And, and when we find that place where the divine is feeding our heart again, when we step into viewing our lives anew, when we bring that deeper element of ourselves that our life is calling for, it's then that we can be in the moment and know that there's not an answer to the problem. It's, it's not about what we're called to do. It's who we're called to become in light of whatever struggle is that brings forth this magnificence and this truth that is within us that lets us do the best that we can. Uh, Norman Lear, the great Norman Lear, just turned 100 years old, famous television producer, great American patriot. Um, he talks about this creative tension in the present moment, between over and next. 
We are always in this creative tension in the moment between over and next. And he wrote a great memoir, my favorite memoir title of all time. Uh, Even this I get to experience. And in it, he he talks about one of his many uh, events celebrating him, probably his 20th retirement party. Uh, And uh, he shares something quite profound to me. He says, even there at that event, I was still so excited for the first taste of coffee in the morning. It's a good example of over and next. Uh, And he shares to the crowd there and his thoughts about it. He says, as much as I loved it, as grateful as I am to all of you, this evening is over. And I am on to next. When something, however great it was, is over, it wants to be over without regret because immediately available is next. Reflecting on this later, I imagined a bulging hammock between over and next and realized that is where the struggle to live in the moment resides. What's over, folks? What's over? And what's next? And you don't have to release the over with sadness. It's not necessarily the type of over that says, I'm leaving this job or I'm leaving this relationship. It can be. But it's just as much that way of thinking, that way of being that's no longer serving us and keeping us from stepping into being that that more bold, creative ourselves. Next can be scary because it's filled with the unknown. But for the very same reasons, it can be so exciting and exhilarating to know that this future that I step into is even greater than as great as what's been before. I can step into this great next in awareness and grounded in the divine, willing not to surrender down, but to surrender up, letting go and letting the divine act and be a real part of my life. I don't have to step into next vulnerable down, protecting myself, afraid, but courageously, even in the fear, being transparent, speaking my truth, having the courage to be who I am in a more meaningful way. And I step into next, not struggling down, not identifying with the challenges and somehow seeing them as a reflection on myself, but struggling up, embracing the idea that the solution is in my very becoming to step into this next, willing to play, willing to be authentic, willing to live in a new level of health that allows me to embrace the best of what is waiting for me.